I'm Rachel Cassandra, and welcome to Midday Magazine for Friday, January 20th. A quick jet report before we get into our news stories. Because of high winds, Flight 65 is still on the ground in Ketchikan. It's not here yet. Um, check back if you're relying on that flight. We will give updates as we know them. Petersburg has had a housing shortage for decades. The housing task force has been working since the fall to find ways to create more housing. On Monday, the task force requested $55,000 in funding from Petersburg's borough assembly for a study known as a housing needs assessment. They say it's an important step to securing grant funding for housing projects in the future. The assembly approved the full $55,000, but not without some disagreement. KFSK has more. The cost of a mid-sized luxury car to figure out that Petersburg had a housing problem. Here's Assemblymember Tom Feinwalsh. I have a hard time justifying $55,000 for an outside company to come and interview us and just ask us what we think we need and then charge us $55,000 for our answers. That seems ridiculous. In a later interview, Assemblymember Bob Lynn says he has a deep respect for the task force and their work, but he says he doesn't want to throw money at the issue without a crystal clear understanding of what the borough would get from the investment. My hesitancy is, is that I'm worried that we're going to go down the road and keep spending money and spending money, and at the end, it pushes the borough into us having to, one, take a much greater responsibility in housing and or two, uh, raising mill rate in order to pay for something along those lines or redistributing wealth. Feinwalsh ultimately came around and the assembly voted four to two to approve the $55,000 study. Assembly members Donna Marsh and Bob Lynn voted no. It will be funded by leftover COVID relief money. Jalen Palmrenke is housing director at the Petersburg Indian Association. She says the assessment is a first step to getting grant funding. A lot of the ideas that the housing task force has been coming up with rely on funding from outside sources. And a lot of those funding opportunities require a housing needs assessment for any type of application. So we've decided that this would be the first step to getting these ideas off the ground. She says the study won't just look at housing needs. She says it will be a more holistic look at housing assets and shortages. I've been calling it a housing needs assessment. I feel like the better way to identify it is a housing and needs assessment, where they'll take stock of resources in Petersburg and specific programs that are running here and kind of tell us where, you know, you're doing really good at this. You could do a little bit more on this side. Palmrenke says the assessment will also be a resource for nonprofit organizations working in Petersburg. It's not just something that the borough can utilize. It's something that other entities in Petersburg can utilize as well, too, when they're making grant decisions and applications. It's a a key to a door that we couldn't open without it. The task force has explored available housing grants, including some through the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD. In one grant, the federal agency offers communities up to $500,000 to transform unused stores and warehouses in town into low-income housing. But even the assessment likely won't be enough to win funding for Petersburg housing projects on its own. 
The borough's Community and Economic Development Director, Liz Cabrera, says the borough may also need a housing grant specialist later on. Because these are highly complicated um, grants, uh, applications that you're going to be putting forward. Generally for HUD, um, they are really complicated. And then the other end of it is um, implementation. You know, there are no, there's no such thing as free money, and those grant funds come with lots of strings. Anchorage-based Agnew Beck Consulting will put together the housing needs assessment for Petersburg. It's the same company that completed the borough's comprehensive plan update in 2016. In Petersburg, I'm Rachel Cassandra. The housing task force will present their top three housing ideas to Petersburg's borough assembly at the next at their next meeting for feedback. That will be at noon on February 6th. And a quick jet report update. Flight 65 is canceled due to high winds. Alaska's ferry system is looking at building a new terminal in the village of Saxman, about three miles south of Ketchikan. State officials say moving the terminal could allow the ferry system to add a third daily sailing to and from Metlakatla. As Reagan, as Reagan Miller reports, officials are scheduled to discuss the idea at a series of upcoming public hearings. The Alaska Marine Highway System Ferry Latuya shuttles passengers and vehicles to and from Metlakatla twice a day, five days a week. It's a quick 45-minute trip down the channel, and the Latuya docks at the ferry terminal in Ketchikan's west end. But discussion is brewing about tying up the Latuya at the Saxman Seaport, six road miles south of the current terminal. Lori Richmond is Saxman City Administrator. She says those six miles can make a big difference. Saxman being like 83% Native population and Metlakatla being 100% Native population, there's a lot of family that goes back and forth between the two um, areas, villages. But right now, the ferry dock is all the way in the middle of Ketchikan, so the families have a hard time getting together because they have to afford taxis, or they have to pay the increased amount to bring their vehicle. The Saxman Seaport is also in the same neighborhood as the future Three Bears Alaska grocery store. Richmond says that proximity is another convenience for travelers. Metlakatla is going to have much quicker access to, um, to groceries, to hardware, to sporting goods. They're not going to have to try to find a ride from the ferry dock, you know, in the middle of Ketchikan to three different stores because we'll have all three of those down at Three Bears. The seaport would house both a small boat launch and the terminal. Richmond says there's potential funding available from the statewide transportation improvement project program. Richmond says at first, Saxman approached DOT about creating a commercial vessels dock at the seaport. And they weren't able to affix any money real quick, but then um, they found enough money to maybe just retrofit the seaport right now. Shannon McCarthy, a spokesperson from the Alaska Marine Highway System, says the Regional Economic Development Group Southeast Conference is leading the initiative. DOT and AMHS, um, we are supporting the, the uh, Southeast Conference efforts. And uh, so the Southeast Conference is putting in some um, funding for a preliminary design, and then we are also putting in about $500,000 for this preliminary design. The preliminary design will be done by P&D Engineering. McCarthy says representatives from that company will be in Ketchikan next week. She says a Saxman terminal could allow the ferry system to add an additional daily run to Metlakatla.
this would allow a, a ferry terminal would allow uh, a ferry to go back and forth from uh, Annette Bay to Saxon back and forth about three times a day, so cutting off some time. Metlakatla Mayor Albert Smith says there are both pros and cons to developing a Saxon terminal for the Latuya. Well, if it works out, and uh, the, the idea is that we can have more runs throughout the day and the earlier morning run, one in the later evening, and then uh, uh, runs throughout the, the whole day. But he says moving the terminal farther from hotels and other businesses could create its own issues. Just uh, the fact that it's further out of town, and right now where the ferry lands, you could walk right across the street to the landing, or if you needed to, uh, you could actually walk short walk over to the airport ferry. But Smith says if the idea moves forward, it's a problem that could be solved. You know, there's transportation stuff we need to figure out, and, and a lot of things I think that we can work out. Representatives from the State Department of Transportation and Southeast Conference will hold a town hall meeting in Saxman to discuss the idea at 5.30 p.m. on January 25th. The public meeting in Metlakatla is set for 6 p.m. the following day. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. A lawsuit challenging the use of traditional tribal values in Ketchikan schools is scheduled to go to trial this spring. The parents, Justin Brees and Rebecca King, are suing the district and Ketchikan Charter School for its display of, quote, Southeast traditional tribal values, unquote, in schools and their place in a behavioral reward system. Brees and King are asking the district to stop using the values to promote certain behaviors in schools. They expressed specific concern over, quote, reverence for our creator, unquote, one of the 14 values laid out by a panel of elders in 2004. Brees and King say that using the value in schools violates the First Amendment and the state constitution. The president of the tribe that created the list of values says the word creator is not a reference to a particular religion. During a trial call yesterday, Judge Catherine Lybrand set a status hearing for March 16th at 1 p.m. and a tentative trial date of April 26th through 28th. Brees and King are representing themselves the school district is being represented by Anchorage-based attorney John Patassin. Wrangell's economy has changed dramatically over the last three decades, and all the while, one woman has tried to keep the community's eyes focused on the future. Wrangell Economic Development Director Carol Rushmore plans to retire this spring. She sat down with KSTK's Sage Smiley in Wrangell to reflect on her tenure and the challenges that still lie ahead. 29 years and one month is a long time to hold any job, but Carol Rushmore says being Wrangell's economic development director has been an especially interesting role. It's been a ride to see the ups and downs, but it's been amazing to see what the community has always done as far as pulling together and figuring out what we need to make happen. You can't do this job without the community's support and participation. Sitting behind her desk at City Hall, Rushmore has had an inside look at Wrangell's changing economy as the community grappled with the decline of the logging industry. When I started in December of 1993, the mill was still fully operational. Um, the town was booming. We were very fortunate, but it was very difficult to find a place to live just like it is now. You couldn't get a P.O. box. We were general delivery for pro- probably about six months to a year. You know, and it, and it was it was extremely 
busy community. And the idea at the time from the Economic Development Committee and things that were being worked on was to support the local businesses, try to help them move forward and increase their capacity. A year later, the mill shut down and overnight, we lost 30% of our payroll earnings within the community and 20% of the employment. And it was devastating to the community and it took the community a very, very long time to recover. Rushmore says the first few years after the mill shut down were rough, but with help from the state and federal government, Wrangell found a way to move forward and lay the groundwork for major public projects throughout town. We held a lot of public forums. How do we want to move forward? Where do we want to go? The Port Commission was extremely active in trying to justify and make the numbers work for the Marine Service Center, New Harbors, the Nolan Center. We did a lot of other improvements. And they worked. While Wrangell's population has dropped by almost a quarter since the mid-90s and the economy isn't what it once was, Wrangell's Marine Service Center has become one of the cornerstones of the island's economy, and the community has been able to secure tens of millions of dollars in grants and loans for ongoing infrastructure projects, including potential major developments at the former mill site and Aldertop Village Subdivision, or Keishan Gita'an, at the site of a former boarding school. The economic development director position is multifaceted, with fingers in planning and zoning, tourism, and long-term development. Those big issues mean Rushmore has experienced some differences of opinion. But despite the challenges of navigating federal, state, and local politics, Rushmore says it's been a rewarding job. You know, when we see these big projects, even some of the little ones that have really big impact to to a certain sector of the population, when you see that happen and be completed it's very satisfying it's very it makes one very happy and relieved that it's over with but very happy that it actually came through that it's been completed she says at times it's been tough to hold down the economic development office all by herself holding forums attending meetings and writing grants over the years there have been times she says she feels like she hasn't been able to do her best job or even get to projects that she cares about There's never a dull moment. I mean, there's been moments where I've hated the job, but more I have loved the job. And because there's so much variety, there are so many things that need to be done that, you know, I'm just not doing well. I don't have the time. To help ease the strain on her successor, Wrangelsboro Assembly approved a new marketing and community development coordinator position, which will double the size of the economic development department. Rushmore's replacement to helm Wrangell's economic development has already been lined up. Kate Thomas, the current Wrangell Parks and Rec director. Rushmore says she and Thomas have already started working together, but will work more closely in the role once the borough hires a new director for Parks and Rec. Rushmore says the job involves a lot of listening, and her advice to her replacement is that consistency and follow-through are key. This job morphed for me based on my skills, based on my abilities. And she brings a whole different skill set, a whole different perspective, and it's time. You need that younger perspective, (laughs) that younger energy. (laughs) You need that new perspective. And so I think the job will change based on her skill set and what she's interested and need what needs to be done with the city. So I think to me, that's it is to make this job her own. It's it's certainly not going to remain like it was with me. And her office will probably be a lot cleaner than my office has always been because she's much more organized. I'm a chaotic organizer. So, you know, there'll be a lot of differences, but she's quite capable and very smart. And I think we'll, you know, make this position her own and do quite well. As for her plans when she retires in a few months. 
I have pages of things I want to do, and I'm going to just enjoy myself. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. And for KFSK, I'm Rachel Cassandra. Coming up, we have local and marine weather, followed by the community calendar. 